Man, it feels good to be back. Uh, this first live show in a while. Going to be rusty for sure, but we're glad to be back with you guys. Um, comment section, we've been missing it. We've been looking over and just, you know, dreaming the days where, where it was flooded with, with you, you guys dominating Tennessee fans or Ohio State fans, whoever it was. Just glad to have you all back. Um, the offseason is closing. Uh, I saw the tweet the other day that, you know, college football is less than 100 days away, and it got me going. Like, that. that's not that far. That is just not that far. Um, we got a packed show today. I would see some big news in the baseball program. We're going to talk all about that. It's close to home. Um, and then we're going to – we have some big things going on in terms of SEC scheduling. Um, if you guys haven't, haven't been in the loop, we'll catch y'all up and discuss it. And then also, of course, as you know, we're already looking at futures, already looking at the numbers. We're here to break Vegas. Uh, we're going to talk about some highs and odds, who we think you should play. With all that said, let's make it happen. Griff frozen. I can't hear you. All right, folks. Uh, great intro there. <laughs> oh, nice. I don't know yeah, how, we lost how you do that. All right. Yeah. No. All right. Yeah, anyways. Griff got kicked. Our producer got kicked. And, you know, when your producer gets kicked, you just run around in circles. Um, Mine was but, freezing up because I'm, I'm streaming the Braves. Wow. The, yeah, Chris I just assumed that. Show back. Dude, yeah. it just kicked me off. Yeah. It's the offseason yeah. for everybody. Anyways. First live show back. You're just kicked off. Dude, uh, it, my whole Chrome just shut down. We're in the market for a new producer. Uh, if y'all know anybody, please please let us know. But yeah, boys, how we feeling? What, a little update. What we got? Bar prep has not been uh, not been fun. I'm officially a doctor though, so wow. I expected. We're, we're, it's, you feel it's different? Doctor, it's Doctor Jake on this show now. <laughs> doctor Jake, I, I feel better wow. than everybody. Dude, your tweet the other day cracked me up when you were like, "I'm a doctor now, and nobody can stop me." <laughs> like, it's just well known in the law profession that if you go by doctor, everybody just kind of thinks you're a jackass, which is totally fair. But I'm doing it for a Twitter bit, so I think that's a little bit different. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm I'm more than willing to refer to you as Doc. So <laughs> I like it. Um, well, let's get right into it because we got a lot to talk about. Uh, after us, Brooks will be coming on at nine for his live show. Um, I think it's nothing but rants tonight. But so, as you guys know, everyone here knows, um, Coach Strickland is out at Georgia. Um, he has been terminated after 10 years. He did, he's been in school for a long time. 10 years is a long time for anywhere to coach. So, that kind of speaks to the success that he had throughout most of it. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen. The rest of the staff, you know, most of the time, everybody knows how this goes. Um, new guy comes in, wants his own guys. So we haven't heard that for sure yet. Just speculating, but that is that is what I would guess. Um, 
But I'll just I'll just start out because obviously I played for these guys. They recruited me, and I have nothing but respect for all of them. I still, you know, I'm still in contact with with all the coaches there. Um, I go there in the off season, train there in the off season. Sometimes they're more than welcome, more than welcoming to all of us that have been there. Um, Coach Strick, when I first got to school, uh, I was supposed to be, you know, one of the guys was come in, be the starting rotation and stuff. And I really struggled early on, especially in the fall and the kind of the start of the season. And in every interview, you know, anything ever happened, they always ask about me. And Coach Strick will just quickly say, like, I'm not worried about Cole. He's fine. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's got what it takes. He's going to be good. And that confidence always helped me for sure. It's um, ha- him having confidence in me knowing I wasn't really just, just, you know, playing for my job every time I went out there that I could relax and just pitch. Helped me out a lot and um, definitely helped me now in my career. So appreciate Coach Strick and appreciate the rest of the coaches. Um, I got nothing but good things to say about them. Yeah, uh, two things. Uh, number one, uh, the, we, we, we've touched on it before, you know, if, 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 you know, if you, if you glued, uh, if you glued wheels to my ass, you could use me as a wheelbarrow, you know, if 2020 hadn't gotten canceled, we might be talking about a whole different story here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and I only met, I only met coach Strick that one time we met him at the charity golf tournament. Dude gave me a, a grip and a grin, uh, said, you know, nice to meet you. Said he was a big, big fan of the show. Great guy. I mean, he, you know, he wasn't Mr. Big shot in there too. No. Uh, he was, he was always nice to me, you know, the time that I did meet him and, um, yeah, I mean, you hate it. Cause you know, it, it's a guy losing his job. You know, this is probably mostly all he's ever known is coaching Georgia baseball. It's been over a decade, hasn't it? I mean, yeah, but yeah, you know, uh, a guy like that, as good of a guy as he is, he's going to, he's going to catch on somewhere if he wants to keep coaching. So his son, Kale is a senior in high school and he's committed to Georgia. Really good player. Uh, he's a catcher. I, and that's, I don't know if they're a package deal. I don't know if Kale's going to continue continue to come to Georgia, but I know he probably wants to play for his dad. Like any kid would want to, that'd be sick. Yeah. Um, so that's a heck of a package deal you're getting if you're another school and you get Kale along with him because, because that dude can really play. Um, so I know Brooks posed a question on Twitter, like where, where does Georgia baseball job rank in the country? Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, you're you're gonna be more of an expert than either of us. I will say, in terms of the talent that's in the state, uh, well, if if you just go off talent in the state, it's probably top one. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's not how these things work. Uh, the MLB draft comes calling for a lot of these high school guys. Um, Cole, you were a projected first round pick out of high school, but you ended up going to college, and that's usually the exception and not the rule. But uh, I think in terms of talent, facilities, culture, atmosphere. It's it's got to be somewhere in the top ten. The only thing that really knocks you is uh, it's stiff competition, and it's not getting easier with Oklahoma and uh, and Texas coming into the fold. This is going to be a uh, top to bottom elite baseball conference. You're going to be really hard pressed to find a truly bad team uh, week in and week out. But I think it's at least a top twenty, top fifteen job. It's uh, you know especially when these facility upgrades come in, it's going to be people are chomping at the bit for it. Yeah, I think that's the huge part, honestly. Um... I think before Josh Brooks, I think it's not as high as it is with Josh Brooks. And I think a lot of people know that, understand that. And I've been talking to a lot of people in the baseball in baseball community because, you know, I, a lot of people play college baseball, obviously, professional baseball. There's high schoolers mixed in, but I would say a lot played in college. And so, you know, even a lot of the coaches, everybody, you know, everybody's asking me, like, oh, I heard I heard tricks out. Like, have you heard any names? And here's what I'm hearing. So, I've been talking to a lot of people about that and just, you know, where it would rank. Um, with the facilities coming, like there's nothing stopping Georgia from being 
like you said, a top 10 job and even higher. Like there's, there's a higher ceiling on, on it than that. Because like you said, the state of Georgia has as many baseball players as any state in the country. Like that's, that is the main focus. Number one for Josh Brooks, in my opinion, is finding someone who knows how to recruit Georgia. Uh, if that means going off the wall and getting somebody that, you know, maybe has not had just a ton of success as a head coach necessarily, but somebody who's recruited Georgia their whole life and has good relationships with the high school coaches. I think that's worth a look because you just have to keep a barrier on the state, man. And Clemson's coming in, obviously. There's tons of schools coming to Tennessee. You can't let guys like Chase Dillander get to Tennessee. You can't let stuff like that happen. Um, so I think that is priority number one, and that's why it's such an enticing job to people who know the South is because they know that they can do that. It can get back to where it was, you know, 2008, 2009 years. Um, and then in terms of facilities coming in, like you said, it, it's going to be state-of-the-art. They've been behind for a long time, but that's the one thing holding Georgia back from being up there at the top of the SEC in terms of um, kind of the shiny new toy. You know, everybody else has one. We don't have one. Um, that is, that's the kind of the draw that we need to get people to really want to come play baseball there, not just want to come to the school. So I think those two big things lead to be, you know, I'd say the ones that probably the top jobs in the country in college baseball would be Texas, um, Texas A&M, just because the money there and the facilities there are outrageous. LSU, those three schools I think are at the top. I don't know if there's any way you could dethrone them. Um, and I think it's followed by the UCLA's, the Florida States, um, the Mississippi schools, Arkansas, like some of those schools who are all all the way invested in baseball. Georgia's not there yet, but I definitely think that, like, I mean, winning cures everything. So you get in there, you create a buzz, and you get new facilities. I think it can be, you know, one of the best jobs in the country for sure. Yeah, and you, you talk about evaluating high school talent, and I'm not speaking to each of these guys' situations individually, but even guys like Kyle Lewis, uh, Tyler Stevenson, guys like that ended up at Mercer, Kennesaw State. Got to keep guys like that, you know, at the capstone. Yes, no doubt about it. Um, I think I, I lost my train of thought. Hold on. Um, so some of the names I've been hearing, and I think – if you look at Josh Brooks and he's made the Mike White hire, that's really the only hire we have to evaluate, I guess. Uh, has there been another big one, big splash? Basketball coach, uh, girls basketball coach, hey, after Johnny hey, Taylor hey. left. So when we when we heard that Kareem was obviously fired and he was going after some guys like Andy Enfield from USC and Mike White from Florida, we didn't hear much about Mike White, kind of just came on. Um, it looks like – he likes to go get guys that have established winning at the division one level, which I like. Um, and baseball is a little bit different um, because like you said, Jake earlier, you have to evaluate guys. It's the recruiting so different because guys can go to the draft. So you're recruiting these top guys, not knowing like, even if they commit, they might not come to your school because they might get picked in the draft and leave. So it's a very hard, very hard thing to balance, I think. And so Having somebody who has dealt with those high-level recruits before is a big deal. Um, some of the names I've been hearing, I've heard Wes Johnson from LSU, um, their pitching coach. I think it would be a great hire. He's done a heck of a job at LSU. He's obviously recruited extremely well. Um, I think that would be great. I've also heard the head coach – the head coach is at ECU and Campbell. Um, both of those schools are powerhouses, baseball powerhouses. Campbell has – if, if you're a Georgia baseball fan, Campbell came to the regional in 2018, and they were really good. That's when they were first starting becoming a baseball school. And now they, they've produced a lot of MLB talent. They have been – they've been a regional host. 
They've made super regionals, and they are a very, very good team. I think either of those schools would be a slam dunk hire, in my opinion. Um, and the last one that I've heard, this is just kind of a rumor. I don't even know if he was there for the job. But Troy Tulowitzki was on campus at one point. Um, I don't <laughs> – I take taking a deep breath. <laughs> that, that's, that's kind of a – he was on campus. This was before Strick was even fired. I don't think that – I don't know that he was even there interviewing for the baseball job. But, you know, it is Troy Tulowitzki. And you talk about a guy who could probably recruit really, really well high school talent. Um, if he couldn't recruit high school talent, then those kids need to flip on some highlight videos because he was. <laughs> he was yeah, he's truth. coaching in Texas too, getting some good experience over there. But I, I tell you, man, Tula was my favorite player as a kid for multiple reasons. I do believe he was the best player in the world at some point. Very, very high peak, but very short peak. Uh, but the dude was a 40-40 threat, did it all. Uh, when you talk about five-tool player, before Mike Trout, there was Troy Tulowitzki. I mean, he'd be a legend. It'd be cool to have him on campus for sure. It would be cool. It would be cool. I, I would give that less than a 1% chance, but I don't even know that, that he's interested in coaching baseball. I think he left Texas. Like, I don't think he's in college baseball right now. I don't think he was even doing anything either. I think he was kind of like – I think he was like an assistant. Something. Yeah, I, he was just around. Sure he was doing. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think he's even in it, so I, I would say he was just hanging out in Athens because he wouldn't want to do that. But he was there. That, that's, that's what I did here. Um, I would lean those other guys first. Like I said, maybe somebody who just knows the state of Georgia really, really well. Y'all got anything, any other thoughts on, on that whole situation? Nah, I think uh, I think I'm just about good. But like I said, yeah, all the respect to Coach Strick. Hope he lands yeah. on his feet. No, no doubt. doubt, no doubt. And that's obviously that's a program we'd all like to see boom because yeah. we under we know his potential and it could be really good. And yeah, 2020 was a disaster. Having, having so, a yeah, having a sneaky sick college baseball team or is like sneaky underrated. Like you think about no, it, yeah. basketball, football. Like it's cool to have those programs jumping, but you see how they have fun at like Mississippi State and stuff like yeah. that. It's 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 elite. It's just college, a different. Go ahead, Drew. Uh, college baseball has like a pool that I think a lot of people don't realize. Like once you like get into it though, and like I know I'm gonna be all into it watching all these regionals when they start coming on and everything. Like last year. I got the fever when the college world series came on, like I was locked in and yeah, I don't know. I feel like everybody could get behind that. If we, it, it's the most unique, the most unique postseason <laughs> in college sports for sure. Just the way it's operated. And it's, it's gained a lot of steam on social media the last few years with some big time talking heads really pouring into it, which is awesome. Um, I, I think it needs to be because it's, it's a different style of game. You flip on MLB game and watch, like it's just way different. We talk about it here all the time. And obviously, I've never played in MLB, but I know for a fact that, you know, when the Braves throw their first pitch here, they've already done it or they do it here in a minute. There's not as much riding on it as it feels like there is when you're on an SEC weekend. Like, it feels like every pitch is life or death. And you know what? For the coaching staff, it kind of is um, in terms of their job. But it, there's so much tension. There's so much, like, just feel like he's hanging on every single pitch that like you just you're filled with emotion. That's what college baseball is. It's filled with so much emotion. And yeah, if, if we could get it booming, it's an experience like any other when, in terms of like how the fans can operate, you know, players can hear you on the field in football. They can't hear you basketball. They can kind of hear you scatter, but it's still loud in there. Baseball, like, like you can make an impact on the game big time. So I'd, I'd love to get it booming. Yeah. And I just feel like college baseball too, like, at any point, it can be, like, turned on its head, like, in a college baseball game. Like, you could be up seven runs, and in one inning, like, that is gone. 
Like, oh yeah, just MLB. It just doesn't feel like it has that. Like, I don't know. It's just very different. Yeah. Um. So moving on from that, uh, like we said earlier in the intro, SEC is meeting this week in Destin. Uh, it's the typical SEC meetings, yearly meetings, uh, and a lot has been talked about the schedule of when when Texas and Oklahoma joins. What's that going to look like? And I think for the last two or three years, everyone just assumed, oh, we'll do, you know, we'll do some pods. We'll go to, uh, we'll go to a nine-game schedule. Like it's going to be good. We'll play. We'll, we'll keep the traditional rivalries, and we will, you know, flip back and forth between other teams. Well, in hindsight, that'd be great, and in a perfect world for fans, that's what we all want. But as we know, we don't really, you know, it's not all about what we want as fans. It's all has to do with the dollar bill and where the money follows. Um, and that is completely up to ESPN and the SEC as a conference. So just to catch y'all up, eight-game schedule is still in play. Eight-game schedule, in my opinion, would be probably the worst-case scenario because you would play each team a home and away every four years. So that could legitimately mean that Jacksonville would be done. You know, stuff like that would be done. We would play Florida at home, and we keep one traditional rivalry. So Jacksonville might actually stay. But after that, like when we're talking Alabama and Tennessee, we're talking stuff like Alabama, LSU. We're talking Florida, Tennessee. Like those, those rivalries would happen twice every four years. So we might see Alabama and LSU play once and then it, not see them again for the next three years, which I think would be an absolute disaster. Yeah, my, my only pushback to that, I think in terms of the scope of the SEC, I don't think I would like it. But in terms of like just Georgia's purely, I think I would because you keep Florida as your one rival, assuming. I mean, obviously. Um, you do lose Auburn, but you look at the pod format we have up on the screen. The, the, the suggested or predicted pod format would be us, our permanent quote-unquote rivals, uh, would be Florida and Auburn, who are we, are, we are actually rivals with. And then we just get stuck with South Carolina. So it's well, kind of like is, this is for a non-game schedule, though. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm saying game schedule. You know, I'm saying game schedule. You, you only get one permanent opponent. Is how is how the proposition is right now. I know. So, I'm yeah. saying that's that's why I wouldn't. That's why I wouldn't hate eight too much, specifically just for Georgia, but just for a nine game schedule around. It's better for like there's some there's some weird things on this list that we can get into with each team, but yeah, I think I think specifically if you're Georgia, the eight games not the worst, just because you keep Florida and like I I just don't want to be pigeonholed into playing South Carolina every year. That's pretty much the base. Of my I life. will say, as a college football fan, I don't like the eight game one permanent opponent schedule because like not seeing Alabama LSU every year yeah. would suck, and not seeing Alabama Tennessee every year. Well, I guess recently it hasn't mattered that much, but like when it has the weight that it had this year, it would suck, you know? Yeah. That's, that's part of the thing with these pods is like, I think the person that made them like it's, it's sensible because I think they're trying to balance. Like, so you just don't go through a murderer's row. Like, cause if you think about Auburn, if you line up Auburn's opponents, it's going to be Alabama, Georgia and LSU. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's, that's awful. Um, but like, if you look at it from a sensible approach, like Alabama, the first one, obviously, their three permanent opponents under this format would be Auburn, Tennessee, and Mississippi State. And I just – you got to keep Bama LSU, man. That's one of the best games every year. Uh, I, I know that people aren't going to like that or, uh, you know, Bama fans, LSU fans, whoever, aren't going to like that. But, like, it, that's just part of what we got to keep is college football. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so they want to get it decided. Greg Sankey says he wants to get everything decided. They're probably just going to vote on an eight or nine game schedule this week. Um, can you take this graphic down real quick, Griff? Yeah. We'll talk yeah. about it in a minute. Um, so Nick Saban was a huge proponent for nine games. This was, you know, two years ago, I guess. And reports are saying that he's kind of flaked away from that. And I, I'm not 100% sure why, but obviously that's a guy who has a lot of pull. Um, he has – he's earned that pull too. You know, he's probably the best college football coach of all time. Um, but I do know that it could be a major problem in terms of canceling contracts. So, as we know, college football schedules are made 10 years in advance. So, if we flip to a nine-game SEC schedule – we're going to have to take off a game against uh, one of the bye games against, you know, whoever we play. And that's going to cause some major problems because then we have to buy them out, add another game. Everyone in SEC is going to have to do that. That's a lot of money. And then it's, it's, it's essentially who pays this. You know, is it the SEC? Is it ESPN? Like, who you, who plays this? Um, who pays this? Sorry. That is, that's a good problem. As we said, money is the issue. And I do know that if you add another SEC game, I was reading in the TV contracts today, that the contract would probably have to be a little bit renegotiated with ESPN because that would add another SEC game that they would have. So they'd have to give more money to the SEC, which they don't want to do. Nobody wants to give more money. So I think it's going to be a big ordeal. Um, for the whole time, I've been playing on nine games. I've been playing on the permanent opponents and rotate every year, which I was a big fan of. And now I'm, I'm a little bit worried that we're going to have this eight-game schedule and it could just – be kind of worthless. Yeah. Well, the, one of the things that I think is an easy solution here, which it's not an easy solution for them, but I just think SEC and ESPN should put the bill for all these buyouts. Yes. That seems to be the rational solution. It's <laughs> probably not what's going to happen, but yeah, I don't want Georgia's athletic department lo losing money over this. That's money we could be using on literally anything else. Um, <laughs> so right. yeah, I mean, yeah. if you want the ninth game, foot the bill. I mean, that's, I, that's probably what they're going to go to the table with, but <laughs> You know, yeah. I, I don't hate I don't hate the nine game schedule and its its idea, but its practice obviously is going to be a little bit complicated. So, yeah, I I would say if you want the ninth game, pay all these buyouts. Simple as. And this may be very surface level of what I'm about to say, but um, like it seems like they would want to like fit those bills for these teams because then if these teams are pouring that money into their team rather than you know shoveling out to these other schools, they just have to buy out so they don't have to play them. Like that's making your product better. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. No, you're no. Yeah. I think you're 100 right. It's just the upfront cost, and then the fact they'll have to pour more money into the 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 deal they reach in terms, of, and that it probably be a lot more. I think right. I read like three to five million per game added. So that's a lot. That's a lot of money. Uh, a lot of uh, way over our heads and stuff. We don't have to worry about negotiating, but we do worry <laughs> about the the outcome because that directly affects the sport that we love so much yeah um but yeah. if if they vote nine game what would be the optimal optimal scheduling for obviously the dogs but then as sc as a whole jake uh, you've already kind of talked about it you don't you're not yeah, like south I, carolina. we can like i said we can go through each of them if y'all want but south carolina is just it's not a rivalry and i'm tired of people telling me it's a rivalry because it's not um pull it up real quick Griff. Florida and Auburn, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I, I would rather see Tennessee on here. I, the, the weirdest one on here to me is Florida. Florida and and Oklahoma, <laughs> hands down, have the weirdest one. So Florida has Oklahoma, Georgia, and South Carolina, which like uh, Florida and Oklahoma. When was the last time they played? Like the 09 Sugar Bowl, whatever. Um, 
Yeah, no, I mean, Florida needs to be playing Tennessee and LSU. And I understand that's hard to make that work. And I think they yeah. were, were trying to balance like difficulty here. But if you're going to do this, do it by like the big games. Like that's what that's what matters. Well, I understand Alabama doesn't want to play LSU, Auburn, and Tennessee, but like, let me would, tell you what the major problem least. here is. The reason that Florida has those teams is because that school down there at the bottom of this graphic with the star and the V in the middle of it. No, I was ruining everything. That's ruining everything. Say, yeah. These guys need to go. All right, I know Vanderbilt brings some stuff for baseball. I promise you, ESPN is not worried about college baseball right now. This is football related. Vanderbilt needs to be relegated to the AAC or something. Heck, they wouldn't win the AAC. They would get. They would probably be in eighth place in the AAC. Vanderbilt is ruining this because they're taking up a Tennessee spot because they have to play them in the same state. Um, Tennessee, yeah, Tennessee is now missing Florida, which can't happen. That that simply no. can't happen. Um, and it was before our time, before that rivalry was insane. And but I appreciate the history of it. Like that that can't be getting rid of. It's like Georgia um, to play Vanderbilt. Like, like put Vanderbilt on Ole Miss's permanent opponents. Like, nobody cares about Missouri Ole Miss, you know? Nobody cares about that. Ole Miss is like Ole Miss. It, just keep the relevant rivalries relevant is all I ask. Yeah. And the thing, yeah. the thing with, like, Vanderbilt, too, like, you talked a lot about balancing it out, Jake, and, like, how they try – you can tell they tried to balance it out as much as possible. But you can balance it out as much as you want. But there's going to be three teams that have Vanderbilt on their schedule every year. <laughs> that is and true. their schedule is always going to look easier because of that. That is true. That's a fair yeah, point. It, yeah, and, you know, it, it's just, like I said, you know, I, I get trying to balance competition, but these things change. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they change, I mean, they, they change not every sometimes. team is up every single year. So it's Yes, like, I, I wouldn't have been able to guess Missouri's if you gave me – if you gave me eight guesses, I wouldn't have picked <laughs> they, were, they had to have been just an afterthought in this. They were like, all right, what are the Dude, last three? Games? It's the last three. Kentucky, LSU's Ole Miss, and Oklahoma? To me. What? LSU's is kind of whack to me. Like, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and AM. Like, no I get Bama the Arkansas one. But no Bama? Like, I feel like that one you'd have to have in there. Yeah. It's, yeah, I don't you gotta know. Have, you got to have Bama, LSU. The problem I do is, love uh, Texas. The problem I think is, nailed Texas. Yeah, I like Texas a lot. Texas, if for those of you who are listening, is AM, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. That's sick. Um, the problem with Alabama is if you give them LSU, they have Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU, who, you know, if things are right, all those teams are top half of the SEC, which is a hard draw. That's, that's, you know, for a fact, that's the only reason they did it because if Nick Saban looked down and saw Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU, he'd go, oh, you know, while we get punished for being the best. That's, that's what that boils down to. I do like the rotations, though. Like, if you look at the rotations, they do make a lot of sense. Like, just look at Georgia specifically. So, their rotations, they would either get Alabama or Tennessee, Ole Miss or Arkansas, LSU or Oklahoma, Vandy or Mizzou, <laughs> A&M or Texas, and then Kentucky or Mississippi State. Like, that feels pretty balanced. And by the way, whoever made this graphic, hats That's off a, to you, because I know this took a lot. Of yes. Time. Yes. <laughs> this graphic yeah. had to take a long time. Dude, um, the yeah. – <laughs> The Vandy Missouri like swapping off is a that little is bit disrespectful to Missouri. Like you're in the Not same really. category. I mean, yeah, but like yeah, but you're in the same category as Vandy. <laughs> yeah, I like I like the rotating on and off a lot just because it, right now we're stuck with some atrocious home games because the SEC East is dog water, and this would give us a, a much better opportunity, and we get to go places that we don't get to go very often. Um, yeah, yeah. If you just alternate those, you you maybe get Bama home, Ole Miss on the road, Oklahoma at home. Bama right, on the road. that's awesome. Uh, A and M at home. You're and getting like every team at that's home. A good at least once every four years. In yeah. this way, exactly once every four years. 
Yeah. So the question becomes, who's getting screwed the most in this in this graphic right here? Oh, there was somebody. I gotta find him again. Why is somebody it Arkansas? Else. Like, that is just mean. It might be <laughs> and why is it Arkansas? <laughs> <laughs> Arkansas has LSU, Texas, and Texas A&M. Good freaking luck. Uh, Auburn's another one too, where they were like, I, I feel bad for Mississippi State because they're on Bama and I hope they're on Bama and Auburn, where they're just like, here, y'all just take Mississippi State right. as like a peace offering since you gotta play. Yes. You gotta yes. play each other, Georgia and Tennessee. <laughs> All right, now who who has the easy Easiest, uh, like permanent teams to Vanderbilt. Yes, <laughs> if only they could play themselves. <laughs> yeah, it's Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky. Has oh yeah. Kentucky. Oh my god, that yeah. is horrendous. Like I said, a lot of these kind of feel like afterthoughts, but, you, you know, I, I understand, like I said, I understand what they were trying to do with, like, the difficulty and things like that. Yeah, but. no doubt. It is a balance. You have to balance it. But but Bandy is, is the problem here. They need to be relegated, like I said. I, I can't stand them being an SEC. I really can't. I just don't uh, – yeah, I don't uh, – I, I don't think this is an easy – somebody's not going to be happy at the end of the day. No doubt. But I think I the just, priority has to be keeping – your big time games like we cannot we agreed. cannot be robbed of Alabama LSU every year come on agreed I, and I just hope it's a nine game schedule where I've set over like the, the scheduling over the nine games because the eight games like you can't you can't have 18 teams in a conference that have eight games no you, that just can't happen like you, you have to have at least nine all right I think I think we've beat this horse enough all one more question though for Oklahoma like the Oklahoma State game, they're not playing that anymore or not planning on it right now, are they? Uh, they're, yeah, they're in a little I, pissy war again. Gundy yeah, said they're not playing them. That happened when AM left, too. How mad is AM, by the way? Because I think, like, <laughs> they were, like, when they left the Big 12, they were like, we are never playing Texas again. And then, boop, yeah. pods, buddy, yeah. you're playing every year. AM is is by far the biggest loser of, of Texas and Oklahoma joining. Their, their recruiting is going to take a hit. It just is. Yeah. Like, right now, they can. They can use the SEC as a weapon, and they can't anymore against teams they recruit against. So yep. that they, I'm interested to see how AM continues to look here in the next five years. Uh, I'm willing to bet they're going to be one of the teams that's in favor of an A game with only one permanent rival because they probably don't. That's true. That is true. Very true. I'd say I'd say a lot of those bottom feeders will be Vanderbilt, Missouri. Vanderbilt. I think I read Vanderbilt's coach was um, pretty sure. I don't know why, I did, but. Yeah, there well, were a few that have already have, said he they're should voting, never no. have an opinion on anything. <laughs> Shouldn't ever yeah. be worth anything. Hey, Vandy over though. Vandy over though. Yeah, um, three and a half. Yeah. All we need. For All right. Speaking of as long as he keeps his mouth shut. Speaking of over unders. Speaking of lines. Speaking of money. We are bringing your regularly scheduled gambling hour <laughs> for the week. Um, not an hour though. Obviously. Half hour. So today we last put you over into SEC win totals. Um, and this week we're going to dive into everyone's favorite award, the Heisman Trophy. Um, is the Heisman Trophy the most celebrated individual trophy in sports? Maybe, but it's I think it's be. also – it's lost so much shine, man. I, I, the reason – so I'll get into my rationale for my picks later, man, but th this thing hasn't been close since, what, 2008? Kyler Tua, was that the last time it was even close? I don't even know yeah. if that was close. I mean – I'm trying to say – Joe Burrow ran away with it. Uh, Devontae Smith kind of ran away with it. With, with, for, as a wide this year was team. actually extremely close up until the last week. Yeah, it's like we always kind of know. Like it used to be a surprise genuinely. Like a lot of the times we would we would kind of have some suspense, but there's just been no suspense to it at all. And 
Yeah, it is what it is at this point. But it, it definitely, I feel like it does have the most fanfare because you think about and, it, people watch people watch the Heisman Trophy ceremony. People don't watch like NFL MVPs and stuff like they don't watch the yeah, NBA MVP stuff like that. The Heisman Trophy is just an iconic trophy too. Just look at that thing. It's it's such a sick trophy, just in general yeah. as well. I mean, but it definitely has lost its shine. I mean, look at this freaking list, guys. It's all quarterbacks. Yes, and, and a part of that is too, like you have to have the story too, like. Like, if Caleb Williams was playing at Washington, flip Michael Penix and Caleb Williams last year, and Michael Penix is your Heisman Trophy winner. Like, yeah. that's that's another issue I have with the Heisman. All right, if, if we're going to give it to the best player, let's give it to the best player of the year, not the best player on the best team. Like, that's that's kind of lame. I know that's how all individual awards are, but I think that's lame, personally. And you kind of have to take this into account when you start looking at these numbers and these odds of who you're going to bet on. Um. So I'll go down the list real quick just for people that's listening, not watching. Obviously, Caleb, Caleb Williams is the heavy favorite, the returning Heisman Trophy winner at, at plus 450. Then you have a run of plus 1,200 guys with Jordan Travis, Drake May, Michael Penix Jr., and then we start a 1,400 through 1,800. Bo Nix, our old friend Bo Nix, going to miss playing him this year. Quinn Ewers, <laughs> Sam Hartman, Jaden Daniels, Kyle McCord, Ohio State quarterback, Joe Milton, Tennessee quarterback and JJ McCarthy. Um, <sighs> notably not present is Carson Beck of Georgia, as I know this crowd will want to know what his odds are. Griff, do you have that? Oh, it's fine. No, I have him. It's plus twenty eight hundred, and I already took it. Twenty eight hundred. Yeah, it was when I took it. Was when I took it. Um, so yeah, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and start then. Um, you got to think about it. Think about who was there last year. All the best quarterbacks on the best teams. Assuming that Georgia does go twelve and zero. It's, it's reasonable to think you can at least get a hedge spot there if he's there. I took Kate Klubnick for the same reason. Yeah. Uh, I was a little down on Clemson last year, but I think there's a solid chance they win the ACC. Uh, I also took Caleb Williams just because Lincoln Riley quarterback. Duh. Um, yeah. I, I, and, you know, there's a couple guys on here I just don't like. Do you see Sam Hartman or J.J. McCarthy? Like, no disrespect to those guys. They're good quarterbacks. But, like, in their, in their offense, are they going to have the numbers? I, I wouldn't have J.J. McCarthy anywhere near this list, personally. Um, <laughs> Even somebody like Joe Milton. Joe Milton will have the numbers. Like he'll have, he'll have the stats. Yeah. And Maybe. so you look at a guy like – I was I was blown away when Griffin sent this graphic and Kay Clubman wasn't in the in this list. Same like, odds. I, I find that incredibly hard to believe. Um, you're talking – like you said, Jake, the best players on the best teams, the quarterbacks usually are the best teams. Uh, that's That blows my mind. If you're looking for a non-quarterback, I, like I think this is the year that, like he has enough helium now. Like Brock Bowers is known throughout the college football world because he's been on the, on the big stage so much. Like you have to kind of if you're if you're a non-quarterback, you kind of have to establish that repertoire of like, or that not repertoire, but kind of that reputation in college football of being like one of the best players and like you know constantly being a highlight rate or a highlight tape player doing stuff. He's done stuff in the Natty. He's done stuff in the playoffs now. Like, he has enough helium where he could actually do it if he went nuts. Um, I I, can't, I don't know if you can say the same about many other players, any position players other than – While I do agree, I just don't know if we're going to be in enough competitive games for him to have the stats. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's always an argument for us. Yeah. And, and same thing for Beck. That could really hurt him. Like, you have to have – if you're a non-quarterback, because quarterbacks are always going to have stats most of the time, but if you're a non-quarterback, you have to have insane stats to be up for this thing. Ah. I mean, think of, I don't uh, think about Did you Christian see Blake numbers last year. I mean, he had like 1,800 rushing yards, did he not? 
I don't think he had 1,800 rushing yards. No. I thought he had a bunch, but – I mean, he had good I, stats, but it wasn't any better than, you know, whoever, well, he finished, another running back down the line. What did he finish, like seven? He got votes. Like he got votes. Something That's else what I'm saying, though. But he, he was a Michigan runner, number one. He had, you know, ran in the playoffs before. And so he had that. He had enough helium where it was like, oh, you know, he's a preseason guy. If he if he does well, he can win eyes. He does he does well, and he's up for the eyes. But look, if you look at last year, this is something I can tell you. You can eliminate some of these guys right now. Look at last year, Caleb Williams, USC, almost made the playoffs. Absolutely, coach, absolutely generational idiot with a lead, uh, or they would have been in the playoffs. <laughs> Max Duggan, C.J. Stroud, Setson Bennett. There's right. three playoff teams. Uh, that makes me want to eliminate Drake May almost immediately. I don't know if that's going to hold, but I think Drake May will have the stats. But North Carolina's got to be like a two-loss team, I think, for him to be competitive with that. Eddie Rosario just took away a home run. That was so Oh, sick. yeah, he did. That was nasty. Um. Anyways, uh, Michael Penix, love the guy? Probably not. Bo Nix, crazy enough, puncher's chance. I hope they make a playoff so we can play him again just because that would be so funny. So funny if we beat him again. It would actually be hilarious. Uh, Quinn Ewers, definitely. Jaden Daniels, definitely. McCord, I don't know too much about him, but Ohio State, he's gonna have a shot. What do you What do y'all think about Michael Penix though? Like for real? Like, do you think he has a shot or? Um, I don't. Think, I just don't think. Um, I, I think Washington's decent, but I just don't know. Like Pac-12, like unless they go undefeated. I don't personally, but just to put it in perspective. By the way, Blake Corum, Blake Corum was the eleventh leading rusher in college football, behind guys like Muhammad Ibrahim from Minnesota, Chase Brown from Illinois, Bijan Robinson from Texas, Kushan Juckins from Ole Miss, Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State. He had fifteen hundred yards. I mean, that's a really good season, but it, it's not a Heisman. Yeah. No. So yeah, back to my argument. You you want guys that are going to be on playoff teams, exactly. So that's why I took Klubnik, and that's why I took Beck. So that is why when I looked at this graphic, a name that really just popped out to me at plus twelve hundred is Jordan Travis, just because yeah. he is for Florida State. Media loves Florida State. Always have. I mean, when when Jameis was there and they were rolling, all you saw was in the news was Florida State all the time. Practic- <laughs> Part of that's because Jameis earned his way in the news a lot. And then other half of that is because Florida State is a storied brand. Everybody loves them. I mean, everybody media members love them. Um, and so Jordan Travis, if he plays really well, they're already getting helium. He He's going to be – the propaganda will be there for him. So I think those numbers are worth maybe sprinkling a little bit. Yeah, Michael Penix, I I don't know how he's going to bounce back this year. I think he I think he punched way above his weight class last year in, in terms of what he That's did. That's what I think, too. Um, maybe that coach is a wizard, but I don't know. I don't know. And I, I think sixteen hundred for Quinn Ewers is the bet of the century, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely the most value on this list. And you if know why? Be good, you know, if they're going to win. And you know why is because they go to Alabama week two. Everyone in the world will be watching that. We saw what he did against them in the first quarter last year, and it made my mouth water. It was one of the best quarters of quarterback play. I've ever seen. He was absolutely dicing Bama up. It was surgical. I was like, this dude, right NFL draft right now, he's going number one. He's the best I've ever seen. He he kind of regressed at towards the end of the year after that, but he showed me that he's talented enough to do that. Um, and you know, with Sart, they have AD Mitchell now. I mean, he's a good player. They have um Xavier Worth. Like they have dudes that are capable of 
catching passes and capable of making big plays. Obviously, they have Sark, who's an offensive mastermind. Like, he's a guy I think could win it. I really do. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he's out of the conversation. He he took some punishment last year. I mean, he got hurt in the Bama game. I think he got sacked five times maybe. Uh, yes. Or somebody. It was one of the last games of the year. But he's taken some punishment. But if they're O-line short up, then yeah. I, well, that's, I yeah, that's another, th- that's another reason. Um, their offensive line had like three freshmen on it last year. And they've recruited offensive line insanely well the last couple cycles. I think it should be good. And – like I said, if he if he walks into Tuscaloosa and puts on a display and they beat Bama, like it would take an absolute dump worthy ten game stretch after that to not at least be in New York. No, yeah, that's I was gonna go back to that point because think about Joe Burrow and uh, his Heisman season. Like they went to Texas yeah. game two and like show. he he took over, had a big game, and like. That was really like I don't know if his name had really been in the talk for anything <laughs> before that. I mean, and that put him on the map. Like Quinn Ewers is already on the map too, you know. Yeah, yep. And uh, yeah, you mentioned it, Jake. Joe Milton. He, you know, if he's half as good as Tennessee fans think he's going to be, then he's a lock to be it. So, so we'll see. We're already hearing about the Joe Burrow in 2019 again. I mean, this. I mean, have you have you seen how far he can throw an orange? This. <laughs> <laughs> this. <laughs> This fan base wants this team to be 2019 LSU so bad, which makes sense. I mean, 2019 LSU was unbelievable. But, like, trying to draw the parallels to it is insane. Like, you're not – It also really doesn't make a ton of sense because 2018 LSU, if I remember correctly, was not that good. They lost to UCF in that bowl game, didn't they? No, they beat UCF in the bowl game. They came back and beat them. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because that was the moment. Yeah, that was the year they had the 72-74 game. That yeah, no, dude, they were de- yeah, they were decent that year. Yeah, that yeah. dude slammed Joe Burrow in that game. Remember that was the moment <laughs> the everything UCF changed. Game? Yeah, <laughs> that was the moment everything changed. <laughs> His like yeah. personality changed in that moment. He became Joe Breezy. Honestly. Yeah. So, I I think some under the radar plays though, like you said, I mean, Petty Klubnik is an awesome play. Carson Beck's an awesome play, just because they're going to be on two of the best teams. But, yeah, um, if, Car- if Carson Beck was plus twelve hundred, I'd say no, he's not going to have the stats. But I mean, if he's at least in New York, you got a hedge spot. Yeah, and uh, I think I think some of those odds are depleted with Bobo being the OC because um, you know, obviously coming off Todd Monken and what he's done, it's a little bit of unknown there. So yeah, I think there's definitely some value if everything works out um, as a dog fan. And like we said, off this off this graphic, if you're forced me to put money on three people. I'm taking Jordan Travis, I'm taking Quinn Ewers, and I'd sprinkle Joe Milton. Um, Caleb Williams, like plus 450 is tough because, you know, is it really worth it for plus 450? But at the same time, I think he's the best player in college football. And the the only thing that's holding me back is it's that winning that second one is so tough. Like they're going to do everything they can not to give it to him. If, If he plays all 12 games, he'll be in New York. He's only going oh, to def- he'll definitely be in New York, 100%. But they're going to try everything not to give it to him. Yeah. It's hard to repeat, man. I, th- I thought Bryce Young was going to do it. It just didn't happen. It's hard. It's hard. Uh, well, I think uh, – one more thought on the Heisman talk. I think it's kind of nuts that Carson Beck is plus 2,800, which is about five times less than what uh, – Stats odds were this time last year he was plus twelve thousand. Um, wow! <laughs> when, dude, we saw Stet for a whole year. Like we have not seen Carson Beck, in, but in garbage time, 
Like, yeah, that you know, is true. It, it's it's kind of weird to me. You right? got to think the odds makers know now too that the Georgia schedule and stuff they're they're on a prime path to at least you know be in the playoff, and they got to consider that. I mean, last year it was like, oh, are they going to fall asleep? You know, repeat one year wonder type thing. But yeah, yeah, agreed. I, I'd love to have a guy, another guy in New York. That's, that's a huge pub, man. My story set was there was awesome. It was a lot of fun, um, and, and it's it's a good recruiting pitch, no doubt. But and that's the show for today. Um, Got a lot packed into that 45 minutes right there. Yeah, well, we did. Good to, good to get back on the live stream. You know, we had one little hiccup, but, hey, it happens. It yeah, happens. I don't know what happened. Griff, Griff was turning the Braves game on and, and it kicked Dude, off. Dude, it had nothing to do. I didn't even have the Braves. The Braves hadn't even uh, started yet. We we're going to make everybody think their, their car radios are broken tomorrow. So that was <laughs> <laughs> We just sit there in socks. Dude. <laughs> I, I didn't know what to do. Yeah, but, so uh, I usually mute the intro just because it's loud, like – and but through my because I have my stuff jacked up, but I usually have it muted, so I just didn't. And my video is not running, um, because I have the Braves game on, and so I was like, ah, oh, it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> We're just sitting there. Well, like we said on Twitter, and like we said on here last time, we got a lot of big plans coming up for the rest of this offseason as we lead into football. Um, it's going to get hot here soon, folks. It's going to get really hot, but then it's going to start cooling off, and we're going to start hearing the bands play. We're going to start hearing hearing some pads popping and, and all's going to be right in the world. So until then, we'll keep you, we'll keep you uh, fired up. We'll keep that fire burning. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Everybody have a good week. Go dogs. <laughs>